actually just um, kind of redid my whole setup, and now my my recording my digital box is over here now, so I don't have to like lean all the way over there. So I'm still I'm kind of getting reacquainted with my setup because I kind of changed it up, but I'm excited. It's all everything kind of has a permanent spot now instead of being like I'll move this here until one of these days and whatever. So it's feeling good, you know, when you get your workplace established it's always a good feeling <laughs> yeah i i helped my um i helped my friends play a prank one time in college where one of their housemates was gone for like three days and i went over there and helped them completely rearrange their kitchen like wow. change what drawer stuff was in <laughs> just so that when he got back from his like grandmother's funeral or wherever he was gone oh god um, <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, we figured he could use some levity. He was he was so sad. Um, but yeah, it was like when he got back and he couldn't find everything. And like I was over there, I'd planned it so I'd be over there. And we're, we're sitting there and we just hear all these drawers opening and closing. And then you just hear, <laughs> damn it, where the hell are the damn spoons? <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then, and I'm sure that, I mean, like people would call us gaslighters now, but we were like, dude, they're where they've always been. They've always been in that drawer. What's wrong? Wow. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, we came clean. <laughs> I, I must confess. Well, that's good. Yeah. We, we did that with a teacher one time. Like he was, he, <laughs> it was like one of those things where like, there was like a teacher's assistant and a teacher and, and one day they left. And so we just like rearranged their desk and they came back and like the TA was kind of like in, into it, but like not really paying attention. <laughs> it's kind of in the back. Cause we had like two different, there was one classroom, but there was like two sections. He was at like the back room, whatever. And like, yeah, cause he had, he said all these trinkets, he said so much stuff. So we just put it everywhere and he walked back in and he's like, what happened to my desk? And we were all just trying to play it off, but no one could play it off. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wanted to do that. I've never been committed to do that to like somebody to like totally like shift a room or like fill every inch of the room with like a cup of water that's been half filled. Like that shit's (laughs) just impressive. That takes dedication. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, what have you been up to? What have you been listening to? What have I been listening to? Well, uh, great question. I'm I'm still in kind of a weird, uh, this weird kick where I'm listening to a lot of like classical guitar. Mm. It's yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I may have mentioned there's this like guitar virtuoso composer named uh, Francisco Tarrega. Mm. who was in, you know, a Spanish guy who's, you know, been dead for 150 years or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, I don't know why I've been listening to a lot of that. I've been listening to a lot of jazz. And then, um, I had this discussion with some friends last week about, um, we were talking about David Gilmore's solo albums. And then mm. I was like, have you ever listened to Roger Waters first solo album, the pros and cons of hitchhiking? <laughs> And, um, they hadn't, and I had, and I like the album. It's really not a very good album, but I like it a lot. Um, mm. and, yeah, uh, so I've, yeah, I've, I've been listening to a lot of, uh, both the pros and cons of hitchhiking by Roger Waters and David Gilmore by David Gilmore. So I guess I've, hmm. I've just had like the individual pieces of Pink Floyd on the brain lately. Yeah. You <laughs> went, you went left brain, right brain, Pink Floyd wise. <laughs> yeah. 
How about you? What, are, what have you been listening to? Uh, so I was just flipping through here really quick just because I'm always all over the place. Because um, I always jump into a bunch of random stuff, but the stuff I report on here, I try to like think of the things that like have either stuck to me or that I keep going back to. Um, there's this independent artist, this guy named Maple Syrup that I listen to a lot. He does a lot of instrumental music. Um, I believe he's out of Russia. Um, I found him through Bandcamp a while back. Um, been a fan of his for a minute. Um, he's just got a lot of good stuff. He's got this really cool album called um, uh, Jazz is God. That's a really cool one. Um, but he's just got, he's got a lot of like kind of like lo-fi beats, you know, instrumental stuff. It's really cool, though. I really like his, his production. Um, and yeah, I mean, some hip hop, man. I got, I did a, a recording, um, that'll be coming out later this week, uh, with, um, local DJ, uh, DJ Menace and, uh, a buddy of mine who's been on the show before, uh, Medrick Greeley meds. Um, and we talked about hip hop and like their careers and stuff. And it, it just got me like right back into this flow of listening to some of the, the hip hop that I, I really, really, um, uh, appreciated but it's just been like it's just been a minute and again like i'm i'm such a music person um that it it it, it just cycles it's not that like when i say oh i haven't listened in years is that i i i form some kind of disrespect or lack of respect for it it's just something has come and has taken up my bandwidth for a minute and life has gotten complicated so i'll just focus in on you know some kind of beat or some kind of genre maybe for a minute. And then this show has made me study other aspects a little deeper. So sometimes it's more like I'm distracted, uh, but I still honor it. And so whenever I get those moments where someone's like, you know, cause that, that's what happened. Me and meds were talking about, um, LP, um, El Producto from, um, home by himself, but we we're talking about him in, re- in relation to run the jewels. And, um, and we were talking about Killer Mike and how they he he produced Killer Mike's uh, last solo album, rap music, and I I've been listening to that album since we did the recording like a week ago or whatever, because um, rap music by Killer Mike is phenomenal, man. That that is such a, a crazy album. It's got such great production uh, value in it, and the the lyricism and delivery of of Killer Mike is just always just just stellar. Um, so yeah, I've been more in that vein. Um, except for today, today I have been listening to a lot of, um, Bill Withers because, um, uh, today is a two year anniversary of his passing. And, uh, that man means a lot to me. Um, I've been a fan of Bill since I was very little. Um, I mean, ever since I was listening to like his, his best hits as a little kid. Um, but I had a teacher that was really into him, um, when I was in fifth grade and would play his music for us and uh, talk to us a lot about him and the lyrics, you know, not just like, let me put on some groovy music in the background to keep these fucking children calm, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but he would, he would play, you know, lean on me and he would make sure we were paying attention to lyrics and, and, and he would, uh, he would play it at least once a day. And by the end of the school year, man, I mean, he, he had us performing that song for the entire school. And, uh, that was kind of like my first introduction to taking not music seriously like that, but an artist, like as a particular individual as their nature and like really focusing in. And, um, ever since that moment, man, I, he's just always solidified. Like he's just footed himself in my mind as like this, this, this beautiful soul of like, I don't know, of, of, of something, something that anyone could relate to. 
and that he was unafraid to be expressive. And, you know, growing up the father, uh, the son of a, of a, of a preacher, that's that nature that I've always respected. And so, um, to have a stranger play, perform, write, and hit me right in the heart and soul time and time again with his work, I've just always come back to him. So, um, all that to say, um, I've been listening to him like nonstop today. Um, just because I don't know that, you know, just like some people say certain comedians have a line straight through their funny bone, his, his words and his work, um, especially like the early stuff, it just really has a, a resonance to, I don't know, to how I, how I want to admire and see life and, 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 and appreciate things and observe and just be a, I don't know, an expressive person. And that's what I, I really admired about him. And, um, yeah, I don't know. He's a sweet soul. So for sure, man, love Bill Withers, love Bill Withers. Um, that's awesome. I, I'm, I'm glad that you had a teacher at a young age that appreciated it. And, um, dude, me in, too. when I was in fifth grade, my fifth grade teacher told us, told a room full of fifth graders that she would quote, leave her husband in an instant unquote, if Kenny Chesney walked into our class without a shirt on. So that was the <laughs> oh, level so of musical depth I was dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Miss Stewart. Um, yeah, I think my teacher well, was I, Mr. Pincer. I want to say. Oh uh, yeah. Well, that's why I guess that it was Mrs. Stewart. I, I hope I hope it's still Mrs. Stewart and not oh, yeah. like the ex Mrs. Stewart and now Mrs. Chesney. But uh, unless Chesney came through, yeah, yeah. Plus, she was like five foot four, so she was like a foot taller than Kenny Chesney too, though. Um. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, um, yeah. That that's kind of a one of those pivotal moments to me, like a, like a character moment in my life. Like, a, you know, one of those musical memories that maybe it seems kind of light, but to me, it was like, I grew up in the ritual community nature of like, we all get in a room. We're all going to talk about a form of text. We're all going to relate to it and we're all going to break it down. Right. Like in the church body. And then like to go outside of that, you didn't practice that typically like in normal society that that practice that nature i guess not the topic sure the topic I, I wouldn't imagine would happen but the nature i would hope it would happen because it was beautiful um and so i think that what was cool is like it was being in school which which brings up the same themes but not the same passion um and especially in the kids i guess and and so it was a really special moment for me to have that teacher you know, express about it and to get us to come back about it. And it wasn't just like some like really stern, this is two plus two equals four or it's nothing. It was much more emotional and like a spiritual like thing. And like you relate to it is not just cold, not logic. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just such a, a beautiful moment to get stoked up about a piece of art like that and to have it inspire you, you know, and to honor it. Cause that was his big deal. And it was like, you need to observe and honor it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel very blessed to have had that moment in my life. Cause I still think about it, man. Anytime I listen to Bill Withers, almost, I think about that moment, but, um, that, yeah. you know, that's a very good segue into the topic is, uh, yeah. you know, performing Bill Withers live as a 10 year old kid, nine year old kid, however old you are in fifth grade. Yeah. So, um, 
I guess I, so today's topic, if I can introduce it, I know that's normally your job. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, so today we're talking about songs that we wish we had heard live, right? That is the topic, right? Yeah. Heard and seen experienced live. Yeah. Her experienced live. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, heard, heard and seen. I guess that is important because I guess hearing it live, theoretically, you could be on the radio 3,000 miles away, but mm, yeah, watching the live <laughs> cast on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Look at those pixels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, dude, I mean, like, um, he, this, uh, he's on my list. He's, he's actually got a big star next to it to make sure that I, I champion him today that, um, that, yeah, I, I, I you know, just like so, if someone pulled you to the side and you're like, "Hey, man, you, you're in heaven. You get to invite five guests to your dinner table. Who are you going to do?" It's like with this one, it's like you get to go to you get, get to go back in time to any moment. And in my top five, it would absolutely be to witness Bill Withers and Carnegie Hall. Um, I would hope to see the whole event, but you know, just to see Grandma's hands or Ain't No Sunshine um, would be just like almost spiritual to me. Um, or I can't write left-handed when he tells a story. Um, man, yeah, that'd be incredible. Or use me. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, that's the thing. I just take his his catalog to heart so dearly that, I mean, he could play anything. I'd probably start breaking down. Like, he would think I'd be on, like, substances or something. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but definitely, I'm, I mean, I'm a huge nerd for the Carnegie Hall album, so... Um, yeah. Yeah. That would be, that's definitely up there. How about you? That's up here there. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it's kind of funny. I started thinking about this and a lot of the answers that I came up with feel like cop out answers and, um, <laughs> you know, which sucks, uh, for, for, <laughs> for y'all, but, um, like you, you think know, they're the, like too obvious or something. Well, it's just like, so I'll give you an example. Like the first okay. thing that came to mind was the rooftop concert. Mm, like if sure. I had gotten to see the Beatles, Beatles play that little set on the rooftop there at, at, uh, one of those corny people in the film. <laughs> oh yeah, my God. It, what is that? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I could have just taken a, you know, like a hammer and a screwdriver to my teeth to make, make sure that I fit in and I could be blind. Is that the, day? Is that the bloody beetle? <laughs> what in the ruddy hell is all that noise? Wow. Oh, it's McCartney affected, and Lennon. You just affected my UK market yeah. with that one. And for, for those confused, no, I am not a native of England. That was actually an accent I just took on. <laughs> Yeah, you and I'd me. like to apologize to the entire island nation of of, of England. Um, Thank you. Although not too much because, you know, you tried to tax us without representation. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we hold a grudge in this country. Um, but no, that'd be great. I mean, I, I, if we're talking what, what you would want to experience and where your placement in that experience would be, Cause like there's some of these where I, I mean like with Bill Withers, I could just be on a fly on the wall. I could be in the nosebleeds and I'd be losing my mind. But like with this one, since it's on the rooftop and all that, like I would have, me personally, I would have tried to either get behind like George Harrison or, or Billy Preston to see him going nuts, you know? That would, yeah. Uh, it, that would have lost my mind. 
Yeah, like if Billy Preston was on a big enough bench uh, at his piano to support my fat ass being there too, like that would be <laughs> that would be optimal. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah even even being one of the like you know I'm a big dude, right? So I feel at the very least they could have put me in front of the little the the door that led back into the building. So when the when the London <laughs> when the police, police came down, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a lot of man for them to have to move to tell <laughs> Paul McCartney to turn it down a little bit, right? So that's what I mean. I feel like I could have been of some service to them. It's not I'm like that's how I justify that. It's not just being selfish. It's like, oh yeah, well you know, I'm a big strong American. Could, I could have you helped. Know, the cops don't even carry guns. What am I going to be afraid of them? <laughs> 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 no, but that, that's a good answer. Yeah. Cause like one, one of my other top ones would be to witness like one or like a string of tracks from like Abbey road. Cause like, no, I mean, there's a, a sure there's from many other albums, there's a lot of songs that were never performed by them, but you know, like to see, like, I'm, I don't know. And again, these might sound cop out, especially as a Beatle person. Like I wanted to think of like deep tracks that would be like, Oh, you know, I want to see them do sun King. <laughs> or like the melody or something like yeah that would be awesome but it, yeah. truth be told man to be a, because no one it never happened to begin with to be able to witness the four the four dudes from the beatles to pl- actually get together and play live like come together and to end like a concert with the end like Oh yeah. Like I've seen McCartney do the end and that was fantastic with his guys. And like, that was great. But like, Oh, like that would just like, that'd just be insane. Like, cause just because, and I want you, cause I, I guess that would be another cool one because those three just have such a good energy, like a good melding of all four of them. It's not, you know, like each of them really have a good style on each of that, that does a, a nice trade off in my opinion. And so to see that live, I just think would be such a dynamic experience to be like, actually see like them tr- fucking trading off solos, you know? I mean, like, that, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, you never saw that. Like, what, but you know, the early 60s stuff that they were touring, they were just like bopping around, you know, and like, you know, <laughs> playing their hits and doing a great job. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't, but like, that was the level up, you know, that was the break into that showmanship that was breaking through into the seventies. That was like really dynamic back and forth and flashy and like crazy. And yeah, I mean, that would be killer. Um, yeah. And I, like I, I went back and cause I was like, when I was doing this, I was like, okay, I'm only going to put the Beatles on here once because I don't want to be a repetitive dick about things. Um, <laughs> And then it's like, okay, well, what would you rather have done? Would you rather have seen them like when they were, you know, (laughs) you know, like on uppers and hammered at the cavern club or, (laughs) or, you know, outside of a whorehouse on the Reaper bond in Hamburg, you know, or, or or playing some weird DJ, like playing Mr. Moonlight at some random club, you know, when they're, (laughs) when they get bored, um, You know, and ultimately I was like, well, you know, and I, and I did, I did, I did curb it a little bit because the dream for me, and I, and I think for you and a lot of other folks out there is really to see, um, you know, a band like the Beatles that did do a lot of recording together, um, especially during the, the Let It Be and Abbey Road sessions, you know, I think I think one of the dreams would be to be in the studio watching them figure that stuff out, almost oh, like the, sure. 
right? But to me, that doesn't really count because it's not really a performance. That's that's right. that's yeah. guys at work like figuring stuff oh, out. Dude, I would have, I would have, my list would have been like ten times longer if that. Oh was yeah, the- <laughs> yeah. Now that, that would be a the- good topic though for the future. Is like what sessions would you want to be a fly on the wall for or something oh, like that? Oh yeah, we should That'd absolutely do topic. that. Yeah, yeah, write that down. That, yeah, that would be killer. Um, <laughs> But yeah, because it's uh, like, how fun would it be to hear John Lennon just sing made up words to something that he had a tune for, but no lyrics yet, you know? Yeah. like oh, yeah. <laughs> Or to hear yeah, George Harrison go, Billy, what chord is this, Billy? Uh, <laughs> kind of a... <laughs> thank, thank you for appreciating my let it be joke there. Um <laughs> Although I expect nothing less. I, I don't know why I'm surprised. Um, you know, one of my favorite parts from the Let It Be documentary was when George got shocked. Because then, like, that was, like, that was one of my favorite moments. Not because it was funny and, like, ah, look at him. Like, you know, like, dummy. But it was just funny because, like, that was old tech. Like, you got <laughs> yeah. to be careful with that shit. You can't make contact with your pickups and hold the microphone at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, yeah, again. And, you know, he was an electrician's apprentice, like before the the Beatles really blew up. And so like, of, of, oh, wow. I didn't know that. George yeah, was? he yeah, he would um, when they would play at the Cavern Club, he was a lot mm-hmm. of times who would have to like fix their amps and stuff when things would go oh, wrong. What? Oh, because wow, he had crazy. just a yeah, like, and I, just don't be wrong. I, 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 yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's like he was, you know, you know, one electrical socket away from being a master electrician or anything. But <laughs> I think he knew enough about it, you know. And, yeah, and, well, the, and I'm sure at that, that point, stuff yeah. was like repairable to an extent of it not being like built to be complex and it, it well, potentially yeah. or, or purposely obsolete or like complex. So you couldn't fix it. So I'm sure there was some training that's like, Oh, this disconnected. Let me just reconnect that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what pisses me off, man. I was like, cause I've been a technician in different industries and stuff. And like, yeah, man, it's like, as time goes on, they just make things more complicated. And when you research old tech and you're just like, what? like that would like burn out and all you had to do was just replace this one little piece and everything was fine. Or like this would periodically disconnect. You just had to put it back together. Like now you have to like swap out this circuit and like, Oh, this little thing needs to be wrapped in this and this needs to be cooled down. And like, ah, madness. Anyways. Yeah. Well, it's like changing oil. My, my first, my first truck was a very simple truck and I learned how to change the oil on it. And it was a fun Hmm. thing to do. I like going to O'Reilly's and buying the stuff and working on it. And I, I have a, I have a Toyota Tacoma, which is a great truck. They're not paying me for that. I don't think. Um, and you know, it's a great truck, but one time I got under it and I would have to break my arm in two places just to get to the oil filter. <laughs> like it's they, yeah, they dude. make it where you have to have it serviced. And, and, and that's such a simple thing too, but yeah, you know, I digress. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started on the right to repair. Um, <laughs> but I want, I, I I don't want to do the same thing and talk about the Beatles forever, but I do I do have two things that are related that I want to get them out of the way really quick. Sure. Um, two one song. There's a song on an album. Um, one song I would love to witness live with all the session people involved that was never done live, which would which would be the Art of Dying by George Harrison. Yeah. Like, 
to see Clapton just, you know, just, <laughs> just going nuts, you know, with all the, you know, which, cause I believe it was it, eventually the backing band of Derek and the dominoes was the rest of the group playing that. So just to see all that and just energy up there would be, be insanity. Um, oh yeah. And then, um, cause I think the Eagles of death metal did a version of it for like the concert for George, but they did kind of like a light version of it. They didn't do it all the way in. And I want to see that song, you know, cranked up the, 11 like it was made um, <laughs> right and then uh the album that's beatles related um that i would i would have loved to see the tour of um honestly w- was uh wings over america <clears throat> i've i've seen the video um obviously um and i have the album um in my opinion uh, it's 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 just a great collection of beatles and paul's like work and it's just i don't know it's just a great and it's a great performance. Like, honestly, they do a, a stellar job. There's no track on there that I thought was like, oh, that's a crappy live version. That's just a crappier version of it just done live. Um, and and that was a tour, if I'm remembering right from one of the documentaries I watched about Wings, they didn't, I don't think they made money on that tour. Like, they barely broke even because they invested so much money in the visuals. It was like one of the biggest investments for a tour, like to invest in the, like, concert experience like they were investing in the lights and smoke and big setups and it was all about the visual you know nature and experience um and uh but yeah that that, that would have just been crazy just because i just i love that album so much um but yeah i just wanted to get those out of the way um, but one <laughs> one one album though or like um concept like concert experience i would have definitely would have loved to experience in its original like unveiling would have been like the wall uh oh with yeah Floyd. That would have been insane. That just would have been nuts. Um, I mean, yeah. Well, one, because it's just like not happening all the time. (laughs) 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 Uh, But two, just because, yeah, I mean, you've seen it. I mean, it's just such a big spectacle. All the visuals and the production work. It was just, yeah, just insanity. Or their performance um, in Venice, you know, like that would have been crazy. The water concert that Pink Floyd did, you know, like that that they like destroyed a city for um, yeah. like that, that would have been like such a unique, crazy like experience. Um, but I also would have loved to see, you know, uh, just while I'm in the Floyd vein of thinking like pulse, like when they did that um, with the, when they first did Gilmore, when it was just Gilmore um, leading um, like one song I would love to see live because off of pulse, it's like my favorite track is uh, sorrow just that this that baseline like just to witness that live you know at at the moment of unveiling you know of like we're moving on this is a new phase of pink floyd and then like it's because i love that song it's just been so epic (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that would have been great oh man you see your your choices are making me a little jealous um (laughs) (laughs) um so another one I thought of, which would kind of be neat, is I would like to have been present uh, for Johnny Cash's live at Folsom Prison um, oh. or live yeah. at San Quentin, one of them. I don't know. I think it was Folsom, though. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the reason is apparently, and I, I have the album, and it's it's a fun album to listen to, Um but, you know, the if you listen to the album, um, you know, the, the, the audience, the crowd, the inmates, um, 
you know, they get, they get kind of rowdy and they're, they're cheering and clapping and stuff. And yeah. it turns out that that was all added in post-production because the prisoners Whoa. were like dead silent because they were afraid of being reprimanded by guards. And taken away from the concert. Yeah. Wow. And so it would that's have crazy. been. Yeah. And it, I, my yeah, thought was how cool would it have been to like be in there? And obviously, like, I mean, I would have to like time travel to the 60s and then like kill someone and hope I got <laughs> sentenced to Folsom. But or you know, just applied to be a guard, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I mean, the, uh, yeah, but that, I mean, that, that would be so much work. <laughs> I could just kill a guard. That would I'd be have way to be working while I watch the concert. If I kill a guard, the guard. Um, but uh, yeah, can I contact your former well, employer? Why? I killed the guy. Um, well, that's but, crazy, though. I did not know that, that the, yeah, the hollering and, I, and the, and the, the rowdiness was added in, you know, that yeah. that's what is the uh, same thing with for wings over America. That's why the audience sounds so perfect. Yeah. Like sometimes the fade in and the timing on certain things, it was like, wow, they've, they got that crystal clear. It's like, no, they didn't. They probably yeah. had one microphone at one point, like aiming towards the crowd and like get a great soundbite. And then we'll just use that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, yeah, yeah, I just, I think it would be fun to, to have been at Folsom and like watch yeah. Johnny Cash, like play the show of his life and then see all hmm. these like convicted felons just remain silent or maybe give a little, you know, like a tea party clap. You know, a little golf uh, clap. Yeah, yeah, golf <laughs> clap. Um, it's weird. I yeah, play yeah. a lot of golf, and I haven't been to a tea party in 25 years, so you'd think I would have went with <laughs> golf clap first. But um, uh, <laughs> oh, but probably longer than 25 years. I'm I'm old. Um, but yeah, that was that was another one that kind of popped up. Nice. Uh, one of mine that I know um, you'll have some commentary on because it is something that you've shared with me that I. I, I I hold envy over of is uh, witnessing the Black Keys and their early days um, when they were just a two piece um, because I was a fan by the time I had found them uh, I'll blame it on my age uh, <laughs> uh, it was like already 2009 and they had like just broken into that like all right let's get more complex let's get more production you know involved away from that gritty raw like blues rock delta you know sound uh you know just away from their fat possum like stuff and like uh that would have just been awesome i mean just to see them like i don't know it could be a it could be a tiny bar because I've, I've just watched so many of their videos where there's another, this tiny spot and they're just like two dudes in the corner just like ripping it to shreds um it, it's just yeah i don't know i i would just love to experience that energy because by the time i had experienced them it was in freaking like american Airlines Center you know, cause I didn't oh, have money yeah. to see them like when I was in high school. Um, and then by the time I had money, it was just like, I was in the nosebleeds and you know, I was already getting, you know, paying a hundred bucks <laughs> to see them. And, um, it was a great show. I mean, they played some phenomenal stuff, but it's in the back of my mind, just being like a, just a, a poor fan from the past. <laughs> it's like, man, I wish <laughs> I would just had an opportunity, um, to catch them when they were in the early days and cheaper, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I I saw him at ACL um which is Austin City Limits for those <laughs> unfamiliar. Um the music festival, not the TV show. Um in 2008 maybe. I can't remember mm. if they played No 7, but um 
around that same time, I, cause they, they, a lot of, and a lot of musicians do this, right? Like they'll book, uh, you know, they'll come down to play ACL, but then while they're in Austin, they'll also play somewhere around town. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, either the week before week after same weekend, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was right around when they did their ACL set that they also played at Stubbs. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if you've seen a show at Stubbs, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a barbecue place in Austin. That yeah, indoor also, part. Say what? The indoor part. Oh yeah. The, the indoor part is a barbecue restaurant, which is not bad. Um, but then they have, they have a little concert venue that is not very big. And, um, those guys, the black keys, they had all of the volumes on all of their equipment set to outdoor ACL standards when they were playing <laughs> at Stubbs. And it was to this day, I think the loudest concert I've been to, but Oh my God, it was so much fun. Um, mm. And that, that, yeah, that would have either been 2007 or two, that probably 2008 if I'm mm. I had to put money on it. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, I was blown away and I liked them because of that kind of gritty nature. And, you know, back, back then, um, Dan Arbach had real long hair and a real bushy beard. And I mean, you, I mean, he almost looked like a reject from like a ZZ top cover band, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, man, those dudes, those, the, he and Pat both just crushed it. And, and, you know, it it was so cool because there was no bass, no keyboards, no drum pad, no, nothing fancy it was and and even you know pat's drum kit was like a four or five piece kit i mean he had one yeah. ride two crashes and a, and a set of hi-hats yeah, and that's it. not neil pert over there mixing yeah. all these crazy soundscapes it's like no go to a traditional kit yeah i mean he he seriously i mean i i think he had one rack tom and two floor toms and in, in the kick and the snare i mean so uh, you know which is which is plenty if you use it right which he did and does oh, yeah. um <laughs> But, yeah. uh, yeah. And, and Dan, I don't think he changed. I don't think he changed guitars. Like I think he picked one guitar mm-hmm. and played the full like 50 minutes with it. I mean, it was, it was cool. It was pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, so another one I thought of, um, the Grateful Dead have a song called Althea mm-hmm. and Althea might or might not be my favorite Grateful Dead song. It kind of depends on, uh, what day you asked me, but, um, they did, Althea was a, was a staple of their sets for their 1980 tour. Um, and okay. in fact, I think the best, in, the best version of Althea that I've heard is the dead go to Nassau, which was Nassau Colise- Coliseum in May, early May of 1980. Mm. And to have seen, one of those shows or even just that version of Althea at the Nassau Coliseum. And I would have had to, you know, go to, go to New York and go to, go to Long Island and all that. And that would have been fine. Um, but that song just has such a great groove. And I, I was hoping, so Sam and I got to see dead and company late last year. And, um, I was really hoping they'd play Althea. They didn't. It's okay. It was still a great show. Um, and, uh, But yeah, it's just, I mean, even by Grateful Dead songs, it just has such a nice groove and it's just one of those that everyone gets into. Mm. And, um, you know, it's just, 
it's just one of those songs. And I, I think because it's kind of, I don't know. It's just a song that I, it fits a lot of different situations. You know, it's a good song mm-hmm. when you're happy. It's a good song when you're sad. It's a good song when you're, you know, contemplative or whatever. Um, and uh, so for that reason, I like it. Plus, again, even by Grateful Dead standards, just a really good groove, really easy to just kind of nod along to and be in the presence of, you know, 20,000 stone deadheads. Um <laughs> we, you know, would, would, would be fun, I think. Um, so it's, uh, yeah. that, that was one that's, that's probably the most boring answer I have though. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, the guy who's an admitted Grateful Dead song fan wants to see the Grateful Dead live. Imagine that. Uh, yeah. Well, here, I'll give you one in the same vein for me then, I guess, given our last few like episodes and topics and stuff like that. Um, my next one would be, um, it's a Joni Mitchell album. It's a shadows and light. Uh, the reason why I would want to see that album performed or that tour or whatever is because her backing band during that um, era or that tour was, um, is all pro jazz guys. So you had Pat Metheny as her lead guitarist. You had uh, Jacko Pistorius um, on bass um oh my gosh um the drummer is, is slipping my mind it starts as an l um but they're 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 just they're phenomenal i mean well and she's spectacular i mean her voice her voice is so so beautiful but um the the song she's playing is almost i think like a majority of the songs are off of her last album which was uh, mingus which was an album she made with charles mingus right before he died um the jazz right. um, um player and um and so to have this ensemble with her and perform it. It's just, I don't know. It's just executed so well. And that would have just been such a cool, I don't know. I just really love that album. So that would have been a cool experience. And, you know, I'm a big Matheny fan. So to see a, a young Matheny and, and Mitch and Mitchell just killing it. that would have been awesome. That was so cool. Don alias on the drums, by the way, in case you were Thank wondering. You. Thank yeah. You. Alias. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I knew about shadows and light and I think you and I might've even talked about it before. I did not realize that, uh, Jocko Pistorius played bass on that tour. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And his, um, you know, cause sometimes his stuff is like, I don't know, I don't want to say it's an acquired taste, but then sometimes <laughs> he puts a little finesse and personality into how he plays little grooves. That's like really cool. Right. Um, you know, I mean, you could say that about a lot of jazz folks out there, but like when it comes to a bassist, just because it's such the backbone of the song, like when the bass can go on this weird little tangent and still stay in the pocket or still be like this really cool, groovy, like nature to this song that you weren't expecting. Like that's just always like, I don't know. I love a dynamic bass man. Like, you know, when they can play something, you're like, Ooh, what the, you know, like, <laughs> oh, just yeah. like I wasn't expecting that. But yeah, that's well, why I love that album. Oh yeah, and all all that stuff he did when he was part of the Weather Report. I mean, oh, is yeah. great. I mean, yeah. oh my god, yeah, uh, yeah, Jocko. He was, yeah, he was something else. Uh, shame about the drugs. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna say something else for multiple <laughs> reasons. Yeah. Um. So well, another. Oh, what's up? Oh, I just said, what else you got? Oh, what else I got? Yeah. Um, so I, and I like, I'd show you, but I'm not sure my camera is big, good enough to f- put it down. 
I I actually wrote literally any Aretha Franklin performance. <laughs> um, you know, I, yeah. it's uh, and I I guess I I should clarify that I mean I I mean you know. 60s early 70s Aretha just prime Aretha and to be fair I mean I would have loved to have seen her in concert at any phase in her life but um I you know I I have a very controversial opinion that she had a very good voice um no (laughs) (laughs) you know it's uh, all all the time people uh, and I have I've seen it on Twitter and on other stuff and people say well Aretha Franklin has the best uh you know, is the best voice in the mm. history of singing, or at least in the history of American singing. And I don't right. know. I mean, you can't you can't actually qualify and quantify that, right? So it doesn't. Sure. It, it, but um, I I certainly think that if she is not the very best, she is at least in the discussion, which obviously is true. I mean, uh, you know, her and and uh, Ella Fitzgerald are the two that really come to mind. But yeah. you know. I um I I I respect people who sing because you know almost anyone can learn how to play an instrument uh, passably right I mean not everyone can become a virtuoso and not everyone can be good even but you know you can take any any tone deaf idiot and show them three chords on a guitar and before you know it they can play kumbaya when they go to the beach next time right <laughs> yeah but there is no there's not really such a thing as a learned voice i mean uh, you know people there are people who just have bad voices that are irreparably bad And to see someone like Aretha Franklin that was just so naturally so soulful and so smooth and and had, you know, a three octave range or whatever. I I don't know enough about music or singing to really comment on that, I guess. But I just um, I, I don't know. I respect anyone where when you watch them sing, it looks so effortless and sounds so powerful. And she definitely falls into that category. Yeah. And um, that, yeah, that's that is something and someone that I would love to have. Seen. And it, it literally I mean, she she could literally have like taken a menu from the nearest takeout place and just like <laughs> saying the items on the menu, you know, orange chicken yeah. with steamed rice. You know, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I'd listen to it and just be blown away. Yeah. Um, guess what I had for dinner last night? Orange chicken with steamed rice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's definitely one of those things, though. Um, I, it's just it, you know I don't I don't know. It's just her her voice was just so 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 incredible. Um, yeah. And plus, she was one of the first. Um, you know, one of really one of the first popular female vocalist in American history. I mean, you think about it and, mm. you know, Ella Fitzgerald came before her. Um, and then like the Andrews sisters came before that, but, but really you don't start hearing too much about very powerful and very popular female vocalists, um, until the sixties, kind of when you start hearing about Aretha Franklin and and there was kind of this boom of, 
of soul and then you had more female-led rock and pop and country and and you know you mm-hmm. had the dolly partons of the world come out and the Joni mitchells of the world and and Joni mitchell by the way is another one of those people who she could sing the phone book and i'd be happy with it but <laughs> um yeah i mean so I, I think that that is also something is that that maybe aretha franklin doesn't get recognized for in the way that she should is you know if you start trying to think of Okay, well, who was the best female singer before Aretha Franklin? It's really hard to think of some names. <laughs> I mean, oh sure, yeah, I mean, uh, right. Besides and, the ones you said, yeah, yeah, and then then you know you start thinking, okay, well, who was great as a contemporary with Aretha or after Aretha? And that's when you can start going, okay, well, you know, you had the other kind of soul groups in the sixties, you know, Martha Reeves and, and Diana Ross and that kind of thing. And then in the seventies, you get the disco era with, with, uh, you know, Gloria Gaynor and Donna Summer and that kind of thing. And then, you know, it seems like there are more and more, um, very, very good female vocalists out there now than there ever have been. And I'm not going to say it would have not happened without Aretha Franklin, because I think that that's another one of those things that a is probably not true. And B, even if it was, you couldn't really prove it. But, you know, I, I think that she probably deserves credit as being one of the people who was on the forefront of really being accepting and promoting incredibly silky voiced female vocalists. And that's, that's, that's one of those things that aside from the entertainment value of seeing someone who is that good at their craft perform their craft is just knowing that you're on the, you know, you're, you're, you're watching history and you actually can appreciate it a little bit. So. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. 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 Well, and just the times that she came up in or that oh, her yeah. career was on the come up in. I mean, it was just so, such a cultural evolution and process to have artists go through and, and evolve through, you know, what you go from being like all totally produced to like, having to be doing interviews and like give your personal opinion and like put your personal opinion into your work maybe. And like, uh, there was just so much more to be observed and to work on, you know, it wasn't just you sing your bit and that's it. Um, so there's a lot of, I don't know. Cause to me, when you bring in those dynamics into like an artist, especially like a very, someone you would consider like a soulful artist, I just feel like that just makes them, erupt more makes them boom more you know um oh yeah yeah. absolutely yeah it's the 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 youths would put the 100 emoji right there in agreement (laughs) this is my vocal 100 emoji god (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well and on the topic of explosive um the one of mine that i would I would say, but I, I want to word this very carefully because I don't think this really exists in all honesty is I would love to witness the doors, but when they had their shit together, <laughs> 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 because like, man, all of those live albums are just rough. <laughs> you get yeah. like one song and then like nonsense and you get like one half song and then a bunch of vamping and like <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I mean, they're just one of those groups that like, they're just such an oddity and, and stuff that would just been so cool. And I, you know, I really respect the musicianship of the musicians too, but, um, just Morrison was such an oddity and, 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 um, 
and Dinsmore and, and Krieger and, and Manzarek. I mean, they're all so fantastic, but yeah, that would have been interesting to, to be a spectator of. I mean, even the shitty shows, I guess, would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I would uh, love to have seen Jim Morrison take his dick out. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but he uh, did do that. That's not slanderous. Um, well, technically, yeah, I and, never and, found a picture of it. So but I'm they with did you. Him. They yeah. Did, they did. Yeah. Well, you're the lawyer. So you're, I know you're going to be like, well, technically, <laughs> <laughs> he was charged yeah. with it so <laughs> <laughs> that's uh no, no, I, mean, I, I, I do think you're right though I, I i think um i think that you know in the entire history of the band there's probably about five days you know when they were all uh present enough to put on a really good show um <laughs> and unfortunately they never recorded any of those but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i mean i also think i'm kind of Go ahead. Well, well, I just, uh, this is so stupid. I, you're going to f- feel bad for yielding back to me. But um, <laughs> I, I also just wanted to mention that I think Ray Manzarek has one of the most like pleasing names to say out loud. Like it has such a, a good such a good rhythm to it. Ray Manzarek. Yeah, a, I mean, it's, that, you know, no, that's a good one. You know, there, yeah. there's certain names that I'll hear. I mean, there's a rule. I forget where I read it. There's a rule that makes your name like a, a catchy name or like a salesperson's name, like a name you would want to have or like a show, show business name. And like one of them is having like the first consonant of your first and last name is the same. So like, you know, <laughs> um, like my name, uh, but like, uh, but Sam like, Solo. yeah, but then, but, <laughs> but then, but then the, the, uh, the other one is, or, or I mean, there's different fashions, but like, um, I'm forgetting what makes his like that, but his, his was always interesting because, um, it was like, I always knew Jim Morrison, but then I would, I, for some reason I would struggle when I was younger to remember John Dinsmore and Robbie Krieger. But then like, I could always remember Manzarek. That was just like such a good name. Like, I don't know. Ray Manzarek could have tried to bust out. And I know no one in cause all the snobs and the purists would have kept him out of those, those rooms but <laughs> i know if he would have switched and tried to go to jazz after you know being in rock that would have been like such a that, that i mean i could see a ray manzarek like jazz cat like that's like that's a classic name i mean that's that just sounds like yeah that's just one of those names that's just catchy <laughs> yeah no <laughs> it's easy yeah it's it's easy to think of like the worst possible person you could ever discuss music with being like oh yeah man did you listen to those miles davis sessions from 72 when he had ray manzarek with him man you know like <laughs> and that person is insufferable like they're the worst when they they really get into that but you know and they're mm. always right that's the problem that's why like they're <laughs> Like you listen to them and they are, they're awful to listen to, but you agree with 100% of what they say. And you're like, Ugh, that's yeah. the worst. Um, yeah. Like but yeah, you, something like that, that's, that's yeah. telling you the like vinyl's better or like, it doesn't this version of it sound warmer. You're like, what are you talking about, man? And then like eight years down the road and you're like in a totally different phase of life. And you're like, I'm going to listen to this. And you like listen to it on vinyl. Like, wow, this does sound way better than, it sounds out of my phone. I guess you could say it's almost like warmer, or like cooler, and like, oh god, dang it! Yeah, no, he was right. <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> I can't believe I have to agree with that douchebag from eight years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I learning being of legal drinking age helps. 
Like I, I, I didn't really start appreciating jazz until I could drink. Right. And, and to, like Tom Waits is another one that like before I could drink, I didn't get it. And then wow. the first time you like pour way too much bourbon in a low ball glass and that's, put on a Tom Waits album, you're like, okay, I get it now. That's, that's yeah. I mean, that's honestly, that's the only way I would even listen to Tom Waits is I would have to be <laughs> blitzed <laughs> and I realize what's happening. <laughs> I just, that dude's never, never vibrated my spine. <laughs> But, and every you know, time I listen to his music, I just always think of that scenario you're talking about right now as like fucking just blitz. Just <laughs> yeah. Well, and it like there's a per. I think there's an ideal situation. And I'll, in 2010, um, I went on a family vacation with with <laughs> with my family um, to New York. My sister graduated high school, and it was like a graduation trip. And I I was 21. Um, and in college, but when we were in New York, you know, and I, I still had an iPod classic, right. Which mm. I miss, I miss having something that was just for music, but that's the, that's another day. Um, and you know, we were staying at the beacon hotel on the upper West side, which, you know, is not a super touristy part of, of, mm. of Manhattan. And, um, yeah, there was one evening where, uh, you know, my parents and my sister were doing something and I had um, had a couple of drinks and I, I went to a bar and had one more and then just kind of like sat outside in New York City, like with my Tom Waits playing. And I was, <laughs> uh, you know, I had that like three or four drink buzz going Mm-hmm. And, you know, you listen to him and his voice kind of sounds like this, but he's like describing the exact scene that's happening in front of you, even though he recorded it 40 years ago. And you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is this is what this music was made for <laughs> sitting on a stoop half drunk in New York City watching random passersby. OK, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, um, I get it now. Yeah, you do. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, I'm still not going to listen to this sober, but I get it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, just like what we talked about with Springsteen last time with like, yeah, when you think about like what the intention of the music or like who the listener would probably be like, oh, I get it. I guess that makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, yeah, that's not me, though. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I'm not the chairman of the pipe fitters union in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Um, with a drinking problem. Yeah, with a drinking problem and like a wife he hates and kids he loves, but who hates him or whatever Bruce Springsteen is talking know. about. He's trying to um, run away from it and he was born yeah. somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he was born that way. Just but they, He should have written a song called Born to Run. That would have been perfect. Um, <laughs> I hate that song. Um well, all right. Do you want to like pick a couple more to like kind of rattle off? For yeah, some rattle off. I've, I've got three left on the list. I will rattle them off real quick. All right. Um, do it. First is I would love to have seen Stevie Ray Vaughan at his first mm. Austin City Limits um, yeah, TV show. Taping. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Or his strap breaks or whatever. Yeah, and he also like doesn't open his eyes because he was on so many drugs that I think the only way he could cling to reality was like to not open his eyes. I'm serious. If you, see if you know, I haven't. I still I have it on DVD and Blu-ray, and I swear to God, if you look through my attic, I have it on VHS somewhere. <laughs> I have that. I have that show, uh-huh. and you can watch it. And he doesn't open his eyes. I mean, he literally does not open his eyes. Um, oh wow! 
Yeah. And like you like it's it sucks because, you know, now that he's battling addiction and had all sorts of demons. But by God, that was the best guitar playing. Um, Hmm. uh, um, The Carter family. um, Hmm. So that is like of June Carter Cash, Johnny Cash's wife's ancestors um okay i wasn't sure if you're talking about jay-z and beyonce for a second yeah yeah (laughs) well them too um um but yeah the the carter family they were kind of the first not the first but one of the first what we would now call bluegrass bands Mm. um and and plus it was led by two women um at a in an age when women didn't get to do that kind of stuff very often playing a lot of bluegrass and gospel. And I just think it would have been neat. Um, you know, the, the problem with that is you have to go back to like 1917. And so like only 25% of people were wearing deodorant and you got to deal with that. Um, (laughs) uh, but it gets worse because the last person on my list would have been to see Mozart live. And that's when 0% of people were wearing deodorant. Um, but I just think, I, I mean, I I love Mozart and I wish that I was a little bit of a classical music snob so I could be like, well, I love his sonata in D minor, but uh, like I don't, <laughs> I don't know it well enough to talk like that. But sure. I know that of all of the classical musicians that I listen to, and I do listen to it quite a lot because I like to have classical music on while I'm reading or, or working or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, you know, Bach is, is fine. Beethoven is whatever. And, um, you know, you start listening to these other guys, Wagner and and that kind of thing. And they, they are what they are, but Mozart always sounds different. Mozart, you can pick him out. And, mm. and I feel, um, you know, I feel more of the emotions that I think are trying to be conveyed in those songs from Mozart than I do with Beethoven or Bach or Wagner or Salieri or anyone else. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think being able to, you know, travel back to Vienna or whatever in the 1780s and, and and see Mozart play somewhere. And plus he had a sense of humor. I mean, he, he wrote a song that is lick me and I'm arsh, which would be lick me in the ass in, in American. Um, I'm just kidding. That wasn't a language yet. So in English, but, um, but you know, any guy that was like a child prodigy and we're still talking about his music today, but then he wrote a song called lick me in the ass. Like, come on, like that's that's a guy you want to have a beer with. Right. Um, (laughs) um, but anyway, so yeah, those, those were the last three I had on my list. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. And and that would be so interesting too, because, I mean, because Mozart also wouldn't have had like a huge like following or like any like massive, I don't know. I mean, he had like a following, but like not like, I don't know, just totally different world. I mean, that like the only way you would have been able to experience that performance right. at all would have been to had to have been there. Um, yeah. Because if, if someone performed his piece, then that's them performing his piece. It's not him performing his piece. And that's, you know, that's the difference that we're talking about. And like, that's, yeah, that would have been absolute insanity. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Like my, I guess I'll, I'll file it down to like three. Um, 
you know, like one of mine, um, I actually have like buddies that were at, that went to the show and I, I wasn't able to go. <laughs> so I've just always had it in my mind as like, man, I wish I could have that. Like on my list of like experiences <laughs> is the witness childish Gambino. And during his like first tour, because when he first started touring, he would do his, 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 he opened up with his stand up act, I believe. And so he would do the Donald Glover, um, stand up. And then the, and then he would do Childish Gambino after that and would do like his EP or like, oh, camp that's cool. After that. Yeah. And I just remember I had a friend in high school who like, he was telling me about him and like, I liked his music at the time. I was like re- recently into him. And then he was like, yeah, we're going to go see him. Like, I didn't have money. And I was like, all right. Yeah. I was like, you know, good luck. Uh, and like, yeah. And then they told me about it. And then like, then I've seen like videos of it at other times. I'm like, wow, like that would have been insane. Like to see a stand up as himself and then like him turn into like, you know, this persona that he's, he's actively working on. That would have been cool. Um, another one was just pretty obvious. I feel like, cause I'm a guitarist. Like anybody would have said this, like just seeing Jimmy, you know, just see oh, Hendrix yeah. just going nuts, you know, I mean, pick, pick a time out of the hat. I mean, he could have even just been vamping for the, uh, for, you know, little Richard and I would have been stoked. Um, yeah. but you know, like seeing any of his key moments, like, um, you know, you know what a moment I would have loved to see. I would have loved to see the moment that McCartney talks about where, uh, Sergeant Pepper had only been out for two days and they go to see him perform like in Sweden or something. And, and the Beatles and Eric Clapton are like in the front row ready to watch him play. And they open it up with the, with Sergeant Pepper. Like yeah. that would have been insanity. Um, that would have been great. But, yeah. And then like, and then afterwards he asked, he asked Clapton to retune his guitar. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like that, or like when he set his guitar on fire or something, you know, just something iconic. Um, but honestly, you know, besides that, um, I guess this is also kind of in the, uh, guitar vein, obviously I would have loved to see muddy waters, man, just particularly like that electric mud, like when he like amped himself up, when he like, he, he, he just added that little extra gasoline onto his sound, you know, and, and was just going nuts. I mean, just like. I mean, yeah, I mean, the same, like, uh, finesse that you would expect of Jimmy, but coming out of Muddy, you know, it was this older cat who, like, is still, like, this blues essential, but then, like, he's just on fire now. It's like, he, he evolved. It's like, uh, you know, like, that was such a cool step up, and, like, to be able to witness that and him be a little more eclectic would have just been, like, man, that <laughs> been such a cool, cool experience. Um, especially, like, maybe in, like, a smaller club or something, you know, similar to in the vein of what you're talking about, like, with the Black Keys, just blues man just cutting loose in a small space you know ripping your ears to shreds it's the best (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know it is funny because when i was thinking about this i thought about you know would it have been cool to see the talking heads at cbgb before psycho killer came out or would it have been cool to see bob Mm. dylan playing you know in, in in greenwich village before anyone knew who he was and ultimately, I decided no. Um, you know, Bob Dylan, just because I, I have heard so much Bob Dylan, and it's not the, don't be wrong, if someone was like, hey, you can only time travel once, and it's to go see Bob Dylan at the Greenwich Village, whatever. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd take that trip. But like, sure. if it was like, you can time travel once, or you can see Aretha Franklin at literally any point, or Bob Dylan before he was famous, which would you see? I'm going to take Aretha every time. But, hmm. um, you, you know, I, I did sort of start thinking about that as like, 
you know, there are lots of things I wish I could have seen, but it, 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 I was really trying to think of like, what would I pass up on a lot of stuff to see? And, um, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure Bob Dylan (laughs) reaches that point (laughs) as far as seeing him, you know, at a, at a small club or whatever. But I do think seeing, um, you know, otherwise massively successful people play those small outlets and, um, would have been great. And, you know, for guys like Muddy Waters, I mean, if, you know, if, if we're going to be honest, one of the reasons that he wasn't playing larger areas is because he got popular in a time of, of great racial unrest. And, and, Mm. you know, there weren't a lot of white folks, that knew who he was and even fewer who knew him and were willing to make the trek to Harlem to see him play right. in these clubs. And so I think that that is a, I think that that is a great disservice to music in general, but um, y- you know, if, if you are making a list of the things that racism has ruined, then I guess music is probably a pretty low one on the list, <laughs> you know, But, um, you know, maybe like civil liberties and the ability of people to just live a peaceful life is probably number one. But uh, (laughs) well, I mean, I mean, you could could address it as like general culture. um, Yeah. um, Yeah. um, Stunting. You know, it was a stunting of 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 musical culture because people felt afraid or unwilling to share and and bridge gaps that were clearly interesting and clearly new ventures that were just new cultures. But someone wanted to reface it as you know some kind of societal damaging problem because someone dressed different or someone just looked different or sang different you know they made it sound like well if they're different then what we are is eroding like (laughs) it's not how life works (laughs) right yeah yeah absolutely and but that's been the beauty in my opinion of music is like we're talking about muddy today and i i know muddy because of my grandfather you know who I feel blessed that he was a music man, my grandfather. And, and he found Muddy from a, an old record in the 60s, you know, and, and he still plays Muddy songs today, you know, like Mojo Hand and random stuff. And, and, and it was because he had an appreciation for him that he became a staple in my family. And, and I don't know. It's just because music, it doesn't have like a race. It's just, you just happen to be a race when you play it. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, when, and so when you, when you listen to it and you relate and, and you, you dig in and it digs back into you, it's just, that's all you want. You become it. And, um, to stunt that is, is shameful, but to embrace it is such, such, such a beautiful thing. Yep. I agree. And, you know, there's not a lot you and I can do about the stunting in the 19, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, fifties, but, yeah. uh, you know, I think, um, <laughs> I don't think anyone could say with any seriousness that we are not at least better off and more aware of it now, which I think that that is a huge step. And like you said, the fact that we're talking about guys like Muddy and, and, you know, you know, you know, I'm a, a big blues guy and I know that, that you are too. Yeah. And so all those guys, you know, talking about right. Alan Wolf and big Bill Brunsey and, and, uh, you know, Fats Waller and all those guys. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's great that we're still talking about them and, and hopefully their popularity and notoriety will, you know, <laughs> flourish as much as it can, uh, now that most of them have been dead for several years, but, um, sure. Well, that's up to us, honestly, you know? Yeah. 
you heard it here, folks. We are single-handedly or two-handedly, I guess, since there's two of us, saving music. <laughs> and you're welcome. Well, hey, I'll break the fourth wall. I mean, it's up to you, too, if you're listening. It's like you, some, some of these cats, I remember being younger and, and listening to them and not understanding it, but I listened to it further because someone I respected honored it. And then I started to understand what it was or, or, you know, I mean, any music, I feel like it takes not an acquired taste, but it takes some learning to really appreciate it. And, yeah. um, and not just the music itself, but the history of it and the history of the person who made it. Um, when you start doing that, I think you start realizing that there's, there's a lot more to cherish when it comes to music and art and life in general. But, um, yeah, yeah, there's always something to appreciate. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm not going to be pretentious and say that you absolutely cannot appreciate the Beatles or Gary Clark Jr. or anything like that without having an appreciation of Muddy Waters, because that's not true. I mean, you know, right. you can appreciate Gary Clark Jr. because he kicks ass. I mean, you yeah. know. Right. But I think I think when you when you listen to the history of that kind of music and you listen to um, you, you know, the Beatles were all influenced b by American black blues musicians who most people still probably most Beatles fans um, from well, the 60s like, probably hadn't heard of. And, and exactly. you know, it's it's not that you can't appreciate them without knowing who Muddy Waters is and appreciating Muddy, Muddy Waters like that. It's just that if you also know about Muddy Waters, you can appreciate everyone who has ever been influenced right. by muddy waters on right. a, on a higher plane. And then, and, and that's, right. you know, and like it's to me, the, you and I talk to me, about it's that. Like, if you're, if you're thinking about the, it, it's almost like talking about, you know, how to get the diameter or the circumference of a circle is you use this formula. Well, you use that formula and you get to that. So it's just like knowing if, if you use this type of genre formula, you get this type of song. So you understand what it is. But you weren't there when the formula was thought of, when it when they f actually figured it out and it broke through, and like that's that to me that's what it is to learn where they got their sound from and where they got their inspiration from. It's not just knowing what the formula is; it's almost being there at the moment of seeing the formula be proven. You know, right. it's like it's like oh, I understand why Paul McCartney has these little nuances nuances, and these little niche things that he does because he's such a fan of Lil Richard, because he was such a fan of, of these classical people that his dad would play around him um, and, and, and just stuff like that and understanding like why does his ear keep going that, to that you know tone or to that texture or to that style or whatever. And, and, and you would say, well, it's his formula. Well, how did he come up with that? And so and to dig into the past is to unearth that formula and to almost be there at its moment of unveiling or, you know, of, of, of conception. And, and it's just, I don't know, to me, I, I'm a nerd for that stuff because I, I'm just an appreciator. <laughs> I really like yeah. to see things, observe things and understand it and make sure that I'm honoring it right. And so when you tell me that there is an, a depth to something that I have not seen yet of something that I, I want to honor further and I, you give me the opportunity, I will. And, um, I don't know. I've always done that with anything, but when it comes to music, it's just a really interesting, you know, thought process because there's so much stuff it can connect to. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know. There's just always something to talk about and to investigate and to be inspired by. And I don't know. That's why music really is a living thing. Absolutely. 
You said it. Well, you got anything else to say, man? Uh, no, I did. First <laughs> off, I could I couldn't follow that. That was that was a very nice summation and a great thought. I don't think there's anything I could add to it. <laughs> and I I do talk an awful lot, but I'm getting better at knowing when when something doesn't need yeah. to be said. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's half, that's half of the battle when it comes to communication. Yeah. yeah. 30, 33 years on this earth. I'm finally learning a lesson. Um. I'm getting there. Man. Well, cool, man. Well, this was a fun one. This was an interesting one to think about and really like try to consider like, what are some moments in music history I would have really liked to be there for? Yeah, personally, can't, you know, can't wait to do what recording sessions we wish we'd seen. Yeah, um, yeah, um, that'll be interesting. That's that's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thanks as always, man. Yeah, man. Till next time. 